0: Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking, log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for listening. Today, I'm with the single mom, author, attorney, business owner, and executive search professional, Carrington Smith. She is the president and CEO of Carrington Legal, a legal executive search company that has been committed to empowering their clients since 2000. Despite being born with a silver spoon in her mouth, life gave her a hard kick in the tail, and she will tell us about it. Carrington has interviewed thousands of executives routinely, asking them, we all have moments in life that define us. Please tell me about a moment that shaped you and how it did. I like it, this question as a, as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, so during the pandemic, career thought blooming as an answer to this question and a effort to help anyone who is struggling in life or career. The book was published in November 2021. Hi, Carrie. Thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So let's start. Like I said, your journey hasn't been all rosy. So can you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Sure. Well, growing up, I grew up in a crazy family um, that had epic success basically a generation ago. And um, my great-great-grandfather founded International Paper Company, which is the largest pulp and paper company in the world. Uh, The money did not pass to my generation and the generation before me, um, my parents and even my grandmother, as that money started to dry up, the resentment increased, but the expectations also increased in that they wanted us to live up to those standards and be that level of entrepreneur. <laughs> that's a, a, a you know a heavy expectation. But being the youngest child in um, my immediate family, there was no investment or support in me living up to those ideals, just a lot of expectation. So that's sort of the, the groundwork. Um, I grew up with a father that was... Um, by all accounts, um, the worst kind of narcissist. And he um, was very demanding. I walked on eggshells. Um, I was sexually assaulted in college. I've been divorced twice. Um, I lost my best friend to cancer, my mother to Alzheimer's. There's a whole book full of stories of what I refer to as defining moments And the real um, purpose of the book is to share how I took these events, and opposed to looking at them as things that were done to me or happened to me, I view them as things that serve me now, and have reached a place of gratitude where these things um, actually propel me through life today.
0: Is this why you became an entrepreneur, to get control of your life?
1: Yes, wanting to get control of my life had a lot to do with it. What forced me into being an entrepreneur was when I started practicing law, I was sexually harassed Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was by a former Texas Supreme Court justice. So someone very up high in the legal system here in the States, and he could get away with that because of who he was. So my only choice was to leave the company I was working for. And I called a client and asked for a reference and the client's response was, you know, I'll give you a reference, but wherever you go, we go and I'm sending you all this more work. And so suddenly I had the opportunity to start my own company as a very young lawyer and that, you know, ability to launch my own business right in that moment was what propelled me into being an entrepreneur.
0: And today, you've been an entrepreneur, what, since 2000? So it's been 20 years, more, more or less. Well, second, years.
1: yeah, well, it's, uh, so I was first an entrepreneur as a lawyer, and then second an entrepreneur doing the executive search business. Um, so yes, the executive search business began in 2000.
0: Right. So today, what, what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur?
1: Being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur means freedom and empowerment. Uh, one of the things, because I do coach other executives is I hear people saying, I just wish somebody would give me a job looking for a job that someone else is going to create or hand to them. And the difference in the mindset between an entrepreneur and someone who works for somebody else is we don't look for something to be given to us. We create it on our own. And so when people say, you know, I'm just looking for that opportunity or for that job. I'm like, well, why don't you just create it for yourself? And for a lot of people, that's like a radical thought. Mm. But for me, that's what that's what happened. I created my own opportunity.
0: Mm. And when you interview those uh, executives, is that something that comes back often, that you hear often? And then you have to ask them, then you ask them, you know, why don't you create something by yourself? What sort of things do you, do you see, like, you know, the, the common patterns?
1: Well, I think people who typically have worked for other companies just have the mindset of where's the next job, mm. uh, the next rung on the ladder at the next company. They don't have the mindset that maybe there is greater opportunity by starting their own business. And there are times when, I mean, obviously I'm in the business of moving people from company to company. So I'm not going to tell them to go be an entrepreneur, but (laughs) (laughs) that wouldn't be good for business. That's a good point. (laughs) But there are times, (laughs) yeah, but there are times when people are really stuck and I do have a candid conversation with them about like, stop waiting for something to be given to you make it happen. And even if that is finding that next job, it's about not just sitting there and waiting for something to show up in your inbox. It's about working your network, uh, doing research, finding that opportunity as opposed to just sitting there. It's, it's, it's still a shift in mindset. Hmm.
0: You said they are stuck and it's interesting because it relates to what I do. I work with entrepreneurs and my tagline is don't be the bottleneck in your business. Which means, you know, they are stuck because when, when they mm-hmm. are the bottleneck, they are stuck. Yes. Why do you think this happens? Why do they get stuck in their head? Because that's what we're talking about here.
1: I was actually thinking about that this morning. I think it's because, and it's, I think it's societal, we tend to think we have to do it all on our own and we don't reach out and raise our hand and say, look, I'm stuck or I need help. I can't figure it out. And the entrepreneurs that I know that are most successful are the ones that work their network and get regular feedback from a group of people who provide them with constructive feedback and um, really help them by maybe give them access to their network. So when I think and I think about myself, when I've gotten stuck in the past, it's because I, I get inside my head and I can't get out. And I and I create these false obstacles. And I think they really are false. That there's no one to help me, that I have all these issues. When in reality, if you just speak up and say, hey, <laughs> I'm stuck, I need help. People will come to you. They, people love to help. So it's about admitting that, you know, there's something wrong and people don't ever want to do that.
0: a good point. I can, uh, I have the impression you're talking about myself. Sometimes, (laughs) do you see a difference between men and women?
1: I mean, I think men are probably less likely to ask for help, Mm. but I, yeah, but they're also better about using their networks. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like there's it's a it's i mean I'm obviously I'm not a man, so I can't really speak <laughs> to that. um I, yeah, I mean, I think that there is some difference with that. um but women, we're just as bad as as far as we never want to admit something's wrong. If that's just human nature mm. right. It's really hard. One of the things I really teach is authenticity and how important it is to be real about what's going on and not just be like, everything's great. Everything's fine. If you say that, then no one's going to know what your issues are and how they can help. Right. So saying, you know, you know, we're on a upswing, but I'm having this issue. You know, do you know somebody that might be helpful to reach out to having those kinds of conversations, or how you actually get movement.
0: Yeah, I guess because, well, I mean, you're as entrepreneurs, uh, they are very difficult moments. Uh, so I guess it makes sense to reach out to people. I understand. I understand what you're saying about the difficulty of reaching out. There's a bit of ego there too in, in action. Yeah. But what about what about your staff? When you have staff, when you have staff, can you tell them? Can you be authentic like that? Should you
1: be genuine? Should you tell them, look, it's not going very well? Well, I think there's different schools of thought on that. Mm. Um, You know, transparency is great in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons. And so if your staff knows that you're having issues, and I guess it kind of does also depend on like what, what level that staff is, like how junior they are. But they may have resources they can bring to bear to help you with an issue. And if you just keep it to yourself, you're denying yourself access to that. On the other hand, you have to weigh like you don't want your employees to run away. If... <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's all about how you handle these things. But in, in general, I think transparency is a good thing.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go back to your, to your book a little bit and the reasons why you, you, you brought it. Uh, what did you learn? From all these it's conversations.
1: From, uh, from all these conversations.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, well, so for me, as I interviewed candidates, um, I realized as I was having these conversations that they revealed things like authenticity, grit, resilience, perseverance, problem solving. There were all kinds of different skills that were revealed by the stories they told me. Likewise, if they didn't, if I asked that question and they didn't have any sort of uh, like deep issue that they share with me, if they kept it very surface level, that also told me a lot about their character and about their ability to um, be authentic and relate. And if somebody had no hardship in life, I actually don't, I really believe that people who haven't experienced some level of hardship don't make great executives because you have to have experienced hardship in order to know how to navigate around it. If, if your first time experiencing conflict or hardship is as an executive, it, the likelihood of you performing well is not good because, as I like to say, mindset is a muscle. And likewise, Uh, emotional resilience is a muscle. And so you have to have already had those experiences where you learn that you have emotional resilience and have flexed that muscle to build it. And if you haven't had those experiences, then you're not going to be equipped to handle the difficulties when they come.
0: Yeah, it actually reminds me of a conversation I had recently with another guest. It was talking exactly about that, but for entrepreneurs, if you don't have a, if you didn't never experience like difficult challenges... I'm guessing that's going to be, it's not going to be for you, entrepreneurship.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you're more likely to give up, right? I yeah. mean, entrepreneurship is not easy. It takes, um, it takes a lot of emotional resilience and ability to iterate, navigate around obstacles. And it takes a certain amount of grit and courage. There are certain qualities that are necessary to succeed.
0: Mm. So what about, You, you have experience, you share of hardship. How did you get through all of that?
1: Well, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I felt the pain. I mean, Mm. I, these experiences were very real and horrible, you know? And so when I talk about them in the book, one of the first things I do is I honor the fact that these were ugly experiences. But I also, then I Mm. walk the reader through my journey to healing. And so I equipped them with a roadmap on how to get to the other side. And for me, shifting my mindset is probably the biggest thing that happened for me. And once I learned that skill, again, it became a muscle. So what I'm talking about is thoughts determine outcomes. And so if we are able to change or control the stories that we tell ourselves, that will be pivotal in our lives. And let me give you a, an example I love to tell because it's so it's such an easy, clear example. I was in Las Vegas. Um, the Bellagio Hotel you know, it's, has its famous fountains. It had recently opened and we were out at a restaurant on the patio, having dinner, I just finished our dinner, Um, all the the uh, tables out there had umbrellas. And uh, I stood up from the table, my friend was still under the umbrella, and the wind caught one of the fountains just right. And it was like a tidal wave, I was soaked from head to toe. And my friend looked at me like, okay, is our night ruined? She spent like two hours getting ready. Are we ever going to get out there? I mean, I saw this look of expectation on her face and I knew in that moment, I had a choice to make. How was I going to view this event? Is it going to ruin my night? Or the way I responded was what are the odds of getting hit by a fountain? oh my gosh, I've been blessed by the holy water. We're going to win tonight. Ran upstairs, got changed super quick, blew dry my hair. We were out, had the best night. But it all came down to that split second choice about how I was going to view an event. The event itself was neither good or bad. It was how I viewed it that determined the outcome. And so in everything that happens in life, we have a choice to make about how we view an event and the story that we tell ourselves about what happens to us.
0: Mm. It reminds me, of, you know, the best nights out that I had were those where nobody had any expectations. In yeah. general, we met up like, you know, because we didn't know what to do. And then we just uh, follow, follow the, the flow. And yeah, exactly. Always, it often ends up in like great, great nights. Yes. No expectations. Yeah very interesting yes and for you in your experience were there a tipping point like you know it was the, that was the where well, you were on the edge and it was either you would do something about about it and change or you know maybe i don't know <laughs> maybe something bad would have happened
1: <laughs> well I wouldn't say it was a tipping point as much. It was just a long journey. I mean, I did a lot of therapy.
0: Mm.
1: I did healing hypnosis. Um, I did a lot of reading, you know, I basically took all the tools in the toolbox to reach where I am today. Um, But it's again, it's about choices. And for me, I didn't want any of these events that happened to me to determine my life. And I was like, you know, I can wallow in this. I see people wallow in stuff that's happened to them all the time. You see plenty of people like that. And I was determined not to be that person. And so really reached this place of where I could use these events. And actually, here's another example um You know, growing up with a father that was uh, a narcissist and abusive and all of that, I was always walking on eggshells, and people asked me like, "What's the greatest gift that you have?" And I say, the, the answer is intuition. I have incredible intuition. And then somebody asked me, "Well, where did you get that gift?" And I thought about it and I said, "Well, I got that, that gift because I walked on eggshells all of my childhood. So I had to have this heightened awareness and I honed that gift. My childhood was a training ground for my intuition. And when I realized that, and I was grateful for the gift of intuition, I realized I had to be grateful for the path that birthed it. And so I reached a place of gratitude for my past. I, if somebody says, would you change your past? I would say no, because I wouldn't be who I am today if I did. And when I reached that place of gratitude for my past, that was so liberating. It also gave me the ability to stop letting my father and my past control me. I was able to reach a place of forgiveness. That was absolutely pivotal in my life.
0: Yes. yes. Again, I can relate to... Uh, to that, uh, didn't have uh, a narcissistic father, but my relationship with my father had been a bit, bit difficult, yeah, until the day where I decided to forgive him, and that was exactly what you said it was a relief. And suddenly, it it opened up, you know, new perspective. There was like, I had the feeling of uh, leaving a burden behind me, you know, yes,
1: absolutely,
0: Mm, mm. yep. All right. Let's go back to your um, entrepreneurship uh, journey. You mentioned a lot of lessons already, uh, you know, about the mindset of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Are there, are there any other lessons that, that you can share that you, that you have learned along the way? Maybe things you have uh, discovered about yourself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, these are more like really practical things. Um, mm. One thing I learned the first, you know, when I was practicing law and I started my own firm is Keep, keep overhead as low as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that the hard way though. We had office space and staff and yeah. equipment and a big bank loan. And, and boy, I learned very quickly, every dollar I gave to someone else was not a dollar I put in my own pocket.
0: Yep.
1: And the other thing I learned was, um, and this is something I see a lot with other entrepreneurs Is it's not about the revenue, it's about the profit. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I think uh, a lot of the entrepreneurship groups are all about, well, you have to have a million in revenue or you have to have two million in revenue to get in this group. But if you lift behind the curtain, you go, well, what are your profits? Well, (laughs) it's a different story. The reality is, it's about what you put in your pocket. And so I'm also a big believer in. keeping headcount as low as possible and focusing on profits versus revenue.
0: And so then my other question, have you discovered anything about yourself being an entrepreneur?
1: Oh yes, Um, I am scrappy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm innovative, I'm a great problem solver. I actually reached a place now where when I see an obstacle, I get excited. I know that's a little twisted, but no, I for me, yeah.
0: it's,
1: it's like a puzzle to solve. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, okay, yeah. I know, I know, I'll get around this. How am I going to do it? Yeah. And so it's about suddenly, okay, I've got this great puzzle to solve. So, um, so kind of learning that about myself, and it, it really, I think, also knowing that I can do things there's enough times when I'm presented with a challenge and instead of feeling bogged down, I reach in and go, okay, I know I can do this. I've gotten around all these other things. Um, so it's a feeling of empowerment.
0: Yes, I can do this. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I can do this. Yes. Sorry. I'm, I'm thinking at the same time that you're talking, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's really interesting
1: <laughs> because so in this last year, um, With When COVID hit, I was like, okay, what am I going to get out of COVID? Very different mindset than a lot of people who were, you know, their bins were full of wine bottles and liquor bottles and, you know, eating bonbons. I was like, what am I going to get out of this? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. I'm going to write that book I always wanted to write. And then through that process, so I wrote the book, published the book. Um, set up two different websites started a foundation all these things were things that I just decided to do and I did but it's again it's that I can do it mindset that's what it's about
0: Why did you find the time though
1: <laughs> I hired an assistant
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay
1: <laughs> but but my point is this is I recognized the things that needed to be accomplished. And I came up with a plan on how to achieve those things. I hired the right person to help me achieve those things. And I am honestly in awe of all that we were able to accomplish in the last year. I look back and I was like, wow, we did all that. And I mean, I got to say it was a brilliant hire. She's amazing. Um, But it was, I mean, you set your mind to something and you figure out the path. You bring in your resources, you work your network, you Google, you take courses, you get it done.
0: Yeah. You make it, you make it happen. Otherwise yeah. it wouldn't, it won't happen.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Indeed.
0: indeed. Um, and what's next then for you and uh, your business or even your, you know, your, your author career. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I I have other ideas for writing books. I would Mm -hmm. love to write more. But first and foremost, I would love to scale my business. So I'm finally at a place in life where I'm ready to do that. I have two children, one that's about to head off to to college, and the second will follow in the next year. And so I've really made them a priority in my life, and I'm ready to take my business to the next level. So I'm excited to see what happens.
0: Oh, can you tell us more? (laughs) it's all secret
1: well no i'm looking to scale so add to my team and build it out and i have a brand for sure that i've built over the years and it's about taking advantage of that brand and um you know taking it to more companies
0: nice very nice and so what about books then you mentioned you want to write more
1: yes well i have three books in mind So we'll see which one I decide to write first. Um, (laughs) I've had people say, I want a sequel to Blooming. Um, So that's a possibility. And I've definitely learned that I have a voice. That's something that has really come out through this process. And a voice that resonates with people. I have an idea for a fiction book. And I also have an idea for a book on career, since that is my area of expertise, so.
0: Very nice. Yeah. So what do you find your inspiration? Because, you know, we entrepreneurs, we have to inspire others, but sometimes we also, well, no, not sometimes. It's very important also that we find our, our own inspiration somewhere. So what about what about you?
1: Um, I spend, I mean, I am a very curious person. I'm constantly reading and learning and growing And all kinds of things. I like to say, I'd read the back of a shampoo bottle. I mean, (laughs) I I read anything that's put in front of me. Um, So I get inspiration from lots of different places. But I think one of the things that I value the most as far as inspiration is my quiet time alone. Mm -hmm. I feel like my greatest moments of inspiration are when I'm going for a walk or the early morning times. I get up really early. I do a lot of my writing in the morning before I start my day and my most brilliant ideas happen in the morning or when I'm on a walk. So I think it's a lot of people get caught up in having as many calls as possible or constantly being on, you know, email or text messages. And honestly, I value my quiet time.
0: Yeah. Do you have a morning routine?
1: I, well, yeah, every morning I get up and I, have my, I'm a little different than other people and that I immediately get to writing and all of that immediately. And then I have my coffee shower or whatever. Um, I work out at 11. So, but right before lunch and I've already had that big chunk of quiet time and we're like getting things accomplished. And then I get to my meetings and emails and everything in the afternoon
0: Actually, my uh, I have a copy uh, copywriter, amendo, and he was telling me the same, that he writes in the morning, first thing in the morning, that's the same, he writes, because this is the moment where he's got the most inspiration. Like you. Yes. Very interesting to see the yeah. same pattern here. Well,
1: it's also shown, mean, that's why surgeons do surgery starting early in the morning, is that your cognitive function declines throughout the day. And those are the peak hours. And so for me, it's also why I don't exercise first thing in the morning. I know a lot of entrepreneurs do. Yep. But for me, those, that's lost peak cognitive time if I'm exercising very first thing in the morning. So I move it to 11 because that way I, I really get that quality time in and I don't lose that time exercising.
0: You strike me as uh, being very uh, self-aware.
1: Yeah? Yes, Definitely. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you know, it used to be, I would say hypercritical, (laughs) but we've moved one part of my journey has been moving from being hypercritical to having a internal dialogue of self-love, but that self, that heightened self-awareness is still very much there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm saying that, but you have not mentioned it in a in a conversation as one of the one of the tools to develop or, or the skills to to develop as an entrepreneur, or even for people out there. You know, the ability to understand oneself.
1: Ah, you, that's really a good point.
0: Is it because you didn't realize it?
1: Uh, well, maybe I just something I've undervalued about myself. Mm. Yeah, because- but I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, because that is something I, I can talk about because I, I, I'm working on it myself. I've been working on myself for 10 years now, <laughs> developing that, developing that uh, self-awareness, especially because I'm, yeah. a, I'm French, so I'm very emotional. You know, I like, I like to complain for the sake of complaining and that affects, <laughs> that affects my, my thoughts. So I, I needed yeah. to find ways to switch off, you know, my, yes. my, my, my negative thoughts. Yes. And to focus on something more positive. And that's why I decided to be to become more self-aware so that I can yeah. find those triggers.
1: That's huge. Yeah. Being able to pay attention to where you get into that mode and and flipping that switch and turning it off. Yeah, mm. absolutely.
0: All right. That's some food for thought for the next time.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You've got me thinking now. So there you go. I've learned something.
0: (laughs) Excellent. What is the one recommendation you would give to entrepreneurs?
1: The one recommendation I would give to entrepreneurs is to embrace your failures and um, Recognize them quickly. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs tend to dig in and they're like, it's that I can do it, but they don't recognize that maybe this is something they should abandon and iterate and move to something else. And so again, it goes to self-awareness. Being able to recognize something isn't working and to shift gears quickly I think that's probably the most important thing to succeeding as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. Again, I'm going to relate to that. It's stop digging.
1: <laughs> yeah, stop digging. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't get you anywhere. It actually creates no. more frustration.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> while the quality of persistence, you know, persistence and perseverance are critical to the success of an entrepreneur, it's also, you're right, coupled with self awareness. Mm. that when something isn't working, it's time to shift gears. And so having that, the, you kind of need to add that third quality to the two others, right? Mm. So that we don't get stuck.
0: Mm. Beautiful. All right, last question. How can people contact you?
1: Yes. Um, so for all the information about me and my book, my website is Carrington-Smith.com. And for my company, it's carringtonlegal.com. And of course, you can find Blooming on, it's actually Blooming Finding Gifts in the Shit of Life. You can find it on Amazon.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Gary, for your time today.
1: Thank you. This was great. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it, and I learned some things too. So I appreciate that. <laughs> great. Well, I hope
0: I hope the listeners also learned. Something.
1: Yes. 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 Yes.
0: <laughs> so, and thank you all for listening. I'd love to hear your feedback. So, reach out to me by email or via social media, and let me know what your favorite part of this episode was. See you next time. Bye bye. All right.
1: Thank you.